Praise the Lord. It's time to look to the Word of God. The title of the message today is To Have Power with God. I guess it's not so much a title as it is a desire that should be burning in our hearts to have power with God because the Bible says we can have power with God. I have a sense in my spirit of how strategic this word of the Lord is today. This phrase, to have power with God, comes out of Hosea chapter 12 and verse 3 in relation to Jacob, where the Bible says, by his strength, he had power with God. Jacob, by his strength, had power with God. Now, we know it's not referring to his natural strength, for our natural strength has no power with God. It's speaking of spiritual strength. By his spiritual strength, he had power with God. He had power because of an anointing, a faith, a spiritual capacity that had been built into his life over long years of walking with God and praying the promises of God and seeking God. By his strength, by his spiritual strength, he had power with God. Let me ask this morning, is there anything more to be desired than to know you have power with God? That you pray God answering prevailing prayers, that God responds to your prayers and answers and moves on your behalf. My, that is something of great worth. And today I want to emphasize that, that spiritual strength that can be ours in praying the prayers of the righteous. I want to remind of two scriptures quickly this morning as we start. The first is Hebrews 11, verse 6, where the Bible says, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently, passionately, fervently seek him. Without faith, it says, it's impossible to please God. Without a believing spirit, Without a pressing spirit, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. Not only that he was and that he did great things, not only in that he is to come, but that he is now for Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. I am God, I change not. We must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. James 5 and 16, the other verse. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual, fervent prayer. The Greek signifies it's a spirit-inspired, a Holy Spirit-energized prayer. The effectual, fervent, the Holy Spirit-inspired prayer in a person accomplishes much. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Elijah, it says, was a man of like nature as ours, but he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. He prayed earnestly. The Greek is he prayed in praying. There was a depth to this prayer. It was not something coming off his mind and the surface of his life. It was coming out of the deep of his spirit. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And the Bible says it did not rain. And he prayed again. He prayed again. And the heaven gave her rain. And the earth brought forth her fruit. 
Now, James is quick to add that Elijah was a man of like nature as ours, like passions as ours. He struggled with the same human nature we do. Our emotions, our mind, our distraction, wandering thoughts, self-condemnation at times, unspirituality that we feel in our lives, doubt and uncertainty. Will God really answer this prayer? Am I moving in the right direction? The Bible says Elijah was a man with a like nature as ours, but he prayed. He prayed. I want to encourage us to start praying and keep praying like never before. He prayed. Let's not become so fretful about our human nature. It holds us back. We, we are hindered by it so many times. Our thoughts, our minds, our emotions, our circumstances, what's going on in our life. Let's just start praying like Elijah did, and let's keep praying, and let's let that human nature fall far into the background as we move into God's presence with powerful prayers of faith. This morning I have two points. Number one, pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. It's an injunction to constant, continual, prevailing prayer. A people that pray day and night, people that call on the name of the Lord, wherever they are, there's prayer coming off their spirit. How important it is to pray without ceasing. Jesus taught it. If Jesus was here this morning preaching this message, I'm sure he'd refer to Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, where he said, Men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. He spoke a parable to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And then he gave a parable. He said these words, Luke 18, 1. He said, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice from me, for me from my adversary. Get justice for me from my adversary. And this unjust judge would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. What did he say? Lest by her continual coming. All of us are that widow woman today. We have no strength of our own. We're defenseless on our own. We all have an adversary. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. All of us have an adversary. We come before God. We say, avenge us of our adversary. Get us justice from our adversary. Break his power. Break his temptations in our life. Break his hold. This unjust judge didn't regard God, didn't fear God, didn't regard man. Jesus isn't speaking about the Father as unjust. 
or as non-regarding of our prayers. Our Father is not that at all. But here was a judge who was unjust, no fear of God. But because this widow woman came consistently, persistently, he avenged her. He gave her the request she asked for. And Jesus said, hear what the unjust judge said. Jesus is noting that principle of continual coming. By her continual coming, that aspect of prevailing, persistent, deep prayers in the Lord. In Luke chapter 11, he gave another parable. He said, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. As many as he needs. So I say to you, Ask, that is, present tense. Keep on asking, and it will be given you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and it will be opened to you. We're the ones who are in need. I have nothing to set before my family, before my guests, before my friends. Jesus said, you go to your heavenly Father, and you can go at midnight. You can go at midnight. Dark time of night. Everybody's sleeping. And Jesus put this parable forth to teach us that even if we set the friendship aside, we know that we're friends of the Lord, and that if we came at midnight and needed bread, he would open the door and give us bread. But Jesus said, set aside the fact of friendship. He says, I'm not teaching on that right now. I'm teaching on persistence. That this friend would knock at that door and be so shameless, so persistent, so bold to knock on Father's door that the Father would get up, the friend would get up, the heavenly friend would get up and give as many loaves as is needed. This is the principle of prevailing prayer. Persistent prayer, supplication before the Lord. Number one today, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. God is not reluctant God is not wearied by our coming. God does not tire of our knocking at heaven's door. What he's trying to show us is that he honors the principle of prevailing prayer. It's one of his ways. It's one of his principles. It's one of his systems. He loves to see his people coming passionately, persistently, boldly, calling on his name, pleading the promises of God, invoking the power of God for their lives. He said he will open the door and give as many as he needs. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Pray without ceasing. I want to emphasize again, this is one of God's principles. It's one of the avenues that he moves down. You say, well, why does God need to do that? I don't know. You have to ask the Lord. He loves the yearning of his people. He loves the yearning. He loves the longing of his people for his word, for his promises and his presence. 
And so he desires that we become a people of persistent, prevailing prayer, calling out on the name of the Lord. He says, that's the avenue I move down to bring reward to my people. Number two this morning. I want to say that prayer gains for us a vast spiritual inheritance. Let that image come into your spirit this morning. Prevailing prayer gains for us, apprehends for us, a vast spiritual inheritance for our life, for our family, for our ministry, for the kingdom of God in the earth. It says, Abraham, the Bible says in Genesis 13, the Lord spoke to him one day and said, Abraham, lift up your eyes and see from the place you are now. Where are you now? The Lord says, lift up your eyes and look from the place you, where you are now. You may not see much. You may just see your tent. You may see a few feet around your house. You may not see a large territory or a large inheritance in God. But the Bible says, lift up your eyes and look on the inheritance. God said to Abraham, look from where you are. He said, I want you to look northward and southward and eastward and westward. And then he said, Arise and walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth thereof, for I will give it to you. God gave Abraham a vision of a vast inheritance for his life and his descendants. Now he had to lift up his eyes, get a spirit of faith, look out on the land, and then wherever the sole of your foot treads, that have I given you. He walked it through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it. The Lord called Moses up to the top of Mount Nebo and he showed him all the land of promise. Supernatural vision came upon Moses and he saw the whole land from north to south, east to west. God showed him the glorious inheritance for his people. This morning, let's not be short-sighted. Let's ask God for vision. Let's look out on the vast inheritance he has. David said in Psalm 16, the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. The surveyor's lines of my inheritance in God, they are liberal. They have fallen out in pleasant places. Yes, David said, I have a good inheritance from the Lord. I have a good inheritance from the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 3, the apostle Paul seems to build on this imagery. He said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And he begins to pray that he would grant you, that God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man that you may be able to apprehend, lay hold on, gain the breadth and length and depth and height. He's talking about our vast and glorious inheritance in God as individuals, as families, as churches. He said that God would strengthen you with might by his spirit in the inner man, that you may be able to lay hold on the inheritance the breadth and length and depth and height, horizontal and vertical, blessings in the earth and blessings from heaven. 
What an inheritance God has for us. That we would lift our eyes and see it and respond to it. Blessings from heaven above. Blessings that come out of the earth. Unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. The hills of glory. The everlasting hills. The hills of eternity. This morning, let's look at the inheritance. Let's allow God to stir a vision of an inheritance that we can carve out as we pray and travail in prayer before the Lord and see our lives and our families and our future blessed of the living God. Pray without ceasing. Number two, pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Twice in the New Testament, although it's replete with injunctions to prayer, it uses the phrase, pray in the Spirit. One is Ephesians 6.18, praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, capital S. Praying in the Holy Ghost. We also have Jude 1.20, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. What is this praying in the Holy Spirit? Pray in the Spirit. Pray with all prayer and supplication. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. What does this mean? It means that we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit in such a way that he joins and cooperates with our spirit. And we begin to pray together with him. Powerful, prevailing will of God prayers. This is a surrender. This is a yielding to the Holy Spirit. That we begin to join with him. He lives within us. And we begin to pray these powerful, prevailing, passionate prayers for the living God. Praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Praying in the Holy Ghost. We pray in our native tongue and we pray in our new tongue. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall speak with new tongues. Supernatural language of the Holy Spirit. So we pray with our native tongue and we pray with our new tongue. Prayer in the Spirit is certainly speaking in tongues. Prayer in the language of the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on the 120 believers and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they all began to speak with tongues supernatural utterance as the Holy Spirit moved in their lives. Speaking in other tongues, it's definitely the language of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting to me and significant, 120 believers in the upper room, 120 spoke with tongues as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just a few, not just 30 or 40 percent, as if the experience was only for some and not for others. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And the Apostle Peter stood up that day and said, This promise is unto you, to your children, and the nations of the world. They spoke in tongues and glorified God. So praying in the Spirit is certainly speaking in tongues, but it's also praying Spirit-inspired prayers. 
where we plead the promises of God, where by the help of the Holy Spirit, we draw in the promises of God, and then we invoke the power of God in our lives, and we pray these powerful prayers of the will of God in our lives. Prayer in the Spirit. There's another phrase in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, and the translators are deliberate to note the difference. There they say that we pray in or with the Spirit. We pray with the Spirit, small s. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, I will pray with the Spirit, the, with the Spirit, my own human recreated Spirit, and I will pray with understanding. He said, I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing in other tongues. I will pray in other tongues. And I will sing and I will pray with the understanding. So there's a clear differentiation. And so we understand these two realms. We pray in the Spirit. We pray with our Spirit. Supernatural language, supernatural utterance, but equally Spirit-inspired prayers. My, sometimes the Word of God, as you look at a promise, as you look at a verse, it begins to burn in your spirit, and you begin to pray that passionately, fervently. You call that promise of God upon your life, upon your family, upon your circumstance. That is a Spirit-inspired prayer. It's not in other tongues, but it's there as a prayer in the Spirit, and they are powerfully effective to bring forth the will of God in our lives. The other night, well, maybe a week, and, week or two ago, no longer, I had a dream, and in my dream, I heard myself preaching. Now, I've had dreams where I've been preaching, but I've never heard what I was preaching. But that night, I heard what I was preaching. And I, this statement, I heard it in my dream. Then it was repeated. I heard myself say it again. And then I woke up and recorded it. Night preaching. Now, you may think that's extra special, but, you know, I have a long way to go. It's recorded that Charles Spurgeon, the pastor of the great Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, mid-1800s to late-1800s. It's reported that one night he was preaching while he was sleeping, and his wife awakened and took notes, listened, took notes, and in the morning showed him what he had been preaching, and he took it to the pulpit that Sunday. Now, I don't know if, I don't know if I've ever been preaching in the night and Deborah's been listening. You know, I should put her under oath this morning. Maybe she has heard me preaching in my sleep. Wake and listen. That's not so good. I'm not letting him take that to the pulpit. And in the morning, didn't even tell me about it. But that night, I intercepted my own dream. And here's what I was preaching. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you receive answers you cannot receive when you pray in English. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, when you pray in tongues, you receive answers you cannot receive when you pray in English. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 14? He said, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. 
I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. In the spirit, he speaks mysteries or divine secrets. The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things he has revealed belong to us and to our children forever. See, the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit knows the secrets, the mysteries, the divine wonders, the prophetic future that God wants to lead us into in our families. And when we speak in tongues, the Holy Spirit is speaking directly, beautifully, powerfully, praying will of God prayers without any hint of man's mind or man's reasoning, praying powerful prayers in the Holy Spirit. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you receive answers. You receive answers you cannot receive when you pray in English. Now, we pray in our native tongue, Spirit-inspired prayers, but we also pray in the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you to pray much in the Holy Spirit in supernatural tongues. Pray in the Holy Ghost. You're praying powerful prayers. You are pleading the promises of God. You are invoking the blessings and inheritance of God upon your life and upon your family. You're creating, by prophetic declaration, the future that you will walk into by the Spirit of the living God. Now, Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. These words, likewise... The Holy Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That is, inarticulate speech. There are groanings, there's longings, there's sighings that come forth from our spirit. I heard the yearnings this morning in the worship of this house. I heard the sighing, the desperate call in the worship of the people of God. And that's what it's talking about, these groanings from within, this desperate cry to the living God. Again, verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. The Apostle Paul said, For we do not know what we should pray for. He includes himself because the Apostle Paul had this, has the same nature that we have. We all have a weakness. We don't know how to pray for things as we ought. There's not a person here that doesn't have this weakness. We do not know how to pray for things as we should. But we have a helper. And when we are weak, we are strong. And out of weakness, they were made strong. We have a helper, the Holy Spirit. And as we surrender and yield ourselves to him, he comes and unites and joins with our spirit. And together we pray powerful, prevailing will of God prayers. The Holy Spirit and you. The Holy Spirit and me. What a wonder. It's a divine miracle that the Holy Spirit who resides within me joins so powerfully and tightly to my spirit that together we're praying will of God prayers. 
Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't do the groaning and the sighing and the longing and the speaking in tongues. Obviously not. It's not his voice that's coming forth. It's your voice. It's my voice. We are the ones who have the audibility. But he makes intercession. He inspires. He helps us. What a beautiful Holy Spirit he is. To pray through us, to join with us. I love the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. He's so honoring of Jesus. He's so selfless. He's so serving. He's so willing to be a helper and just stay in the background that we don't even know his name. Some people think his name is Holy Spirit, but it's not. It's a title, just like Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's a title. Now, we all know the name of the Father, Jehovah or Yahweh. We all know the name of the Son, Jesus. But we don't know the name of the Holy Spirit. What a servant. It's like he doesn't even give us his name on the pages of the New Testament because his only desire is to exalt Jesus, lift up Jesus. If we knew the name of the Holy Spirit, maybe we'd pull aside from honoring Jesus and glorifying Jesus like the Holy Spirit wants, and we might be putting too much emphasis on the name of the Holy Spirit. It shows us the honor of the Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ. Now, we don't know his name, but I think I know his name. Heaven will reveal it. I think the name of the Holy Spirit is Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, Christos, the anointing, the anointing. The Holy Spirit is the anointer, and it just may be. Jesus wasn't called the Christ until the Holy Spirit descended upon him with power for ministry. Then he became Jesus Christ. So maybe the name of the Holy Spirit is Christ, the anointed, the anointing. Heaven will reveal it. But what a beautiful Holy Spirit. What a helper we have. He draws near. He draws near to us to pray with us. And the Bible says he helps our weakness. We don't know how to pray for ourselves as we should. We don't know about our vocations. We don't know about our businesses. We don't know about our children, the giftings of God necessarily, specifically. We don't know the vast inheritance of our ministry. We don't know how God wants to use us and how God wants to bless us. But as we begin to pray in the Holy Spirit, Native tongue and supernatural tongue, the Holy Spirit unites with us and begins to pray through us and with us in powerful, prevailing prayers that begin to apprehend the inheritance of God for our lives. It says we don't know how to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, with longings, with sighings, with deep cries in our spirit. Verse 27, now he who searches the hearts, there's only one who searches the hearts, God. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now we know we're praying the will of God. When we're united with the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, praying Spirit in fire, 
inspired prayers. Now we know we're praying the will of God. And the Bible says, verse 28, and we know all things work together for good to them that love God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Verse 28 follows verse 26 and 27. Not all things work for good. And many people, you can look across their lives and experience and know it it didn't work for good. But there is a promise to those who will seek the Lord and pray in the Holy Ghost. They will know the will of God, and they will know that all things work together for good to them that love God. It comes out of that deep, passionate, prevailing prayer. Now in Romans 8, 26, where it speaks of groanings which cannot be uttered, it doesn't use the term speaking in tongues directly, although we know that is pure language of the Holy Spirit. But these are, as well, these Spirit-inspired prayers, longings and yearnings and cries and pleadings after the living God. And the truth is, there's not a person that can say, I can't involve myself in that way. There's not a believer that should say, I'm not going to yield myself like that. Every one of us should surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit, begin to long, begin to cry, begin to weep, begin to long after the living God until those, that language comes forth, that desperate longing, that groaning of the Spirit, O oh Lord, O oh Lord, you cry out after God. You know what happens. Maybe you don't speak in tongues yet, but spiritual language comes. Spiritual longings turn into spiritual language. And spiritual sighing turns into speech. And before long, you'll know it. You'll be praying in the Holy Ghost. You'll be speaking with tongues as the Holy Spirit gives utterance. His promises to every one of us. And again, how strategic to me in this time, in this day and age, in the present circumstance upon the world, how important it is that we pray in the Holy Spirit. Spirit-inspired prayers. Speak much in other tongues. And let the inheritance of the Lord unfold as you gain it in the Spirit. I'm going to have the worship team come. I want to close out with Hosea 12, 3 to 4. Started the message with verse 3. Again, Jacob, it says, By his strength, he had power with God. By his strength, he had power with God. The joy of knowing God will answer your prayers because they're born of his will. By his spiritual strength, he had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. Jacob wept and made supplication to God. He wept over the promises of God. He wept for the blessing of God. He wept for the inheritance. He made supplication. There was insistence in his cry before God that he would be blessed in the earth. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. And the Bible says he found God. Jacob found God in Bethel, the house of God. And there... God spoke with us. There God spoke with us. See, the word that was given to Jacob and the experience he had, God is speaking to all of us. That experience is on the pages of the Bible. This 
By his strength, he had power with God. This word is written for our admonition. The Bible says clearly that that's the principle of the Lord. Again, that principle of prevailing prayer, that power of God. God loves to see us plead his promises. He loves us to wrestle with his judgment. God loves to see us invoke his name and his power on our lives and families. He loves to see us come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in time of need. This principle of God, his interest in prevailing prayer, has been long noted by men and women of God. It's one of his ways, and I want to encourage you with it this morning to have power with God, to have power with God. Generations ago, maybe a few hundred years ago, I can't track the author, but most powerful words I've read on a commentary on Hebrews chapter, or Hosea chapter 12, Jacob's calling on the Lord, Jacob's struggle, Jacob's wrestling, Jacob's prevailing with God in prayer. He wrote these words, Yea, herein is the unconquerable might of the righteous. This his wondrous wrestling. Herein his glorious victories. In glowing longings, assiduous prayers, joyous weeping. Girt with the might of holy orison, they strive with God. They wrestle with his judgment and will not be overcome until they obtain from his goodness all they desire and extort, as it were, by force from his hands. Prevailing prayer. Prevailing prayer. Apprehend the future. Take hold of the breadth and length and depth and height. Walk forth into your inheritance. Carve out an inheritance for your life and family. Don't fret so much about your human nature. Start praying and keep praying. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Build up yourselves and your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. As you pray in the Holy Spirit, you will build up your life. You will build up yourself on your most holy faith. And many of the things which plague and distract and hinder now will be far, far from your life because you've prayed in the Holy Ghost and you have power with God and you've prevailed and you've walked into the inheritance with the Lord. Listen, what I'm talking about this morning is equal opportunity for every person. There God spoke with us. One man, Jacob, there God spoke with us. Every one of us can involve ourselves with fasting prayers, lingering in the presence of God, staying a little later, coming a little earlier, giving ourselves to prayer, to the Word, to the fire of God to burn within us, to the Holy Spirit to engage in us in the will of God properly. There are many things in which we are not equal. But in prayer, we're on equal ground. Other things of life, we're not equal. We're not equal in financial status. We're not equal in gifting and calling and ministry. We're not equal in athletic ability, scholastic ability, artistic ability. So many things we're, we're not equal in. But one place we are all equal is on the ground of prayer. 
and every person has opportunity to lay hold of the inheritance and see the will of God prosper for your life, your family, your future. Let's stand together this morning.